friends. Hey, uh, out here in my garage again tonight. It is a little bit chilly, so you'll forgive the, the hat and sweatshirt, but um, it is October, so what are you gonna do? I think tonight I'm gonna talk about who you are, who I am, and who we are, who we were created to be. <laughs> if you haven't been humbled, especially if you're in law enforcement, if you haven't been humbled over the past year, year and a half, almost two years, uh, well, I don't really know what's going to do it for you. I was thinking about that, I was thinking about talking about the, the polar opposites of, of pride and then there's this, this insecurity, but I don't know that pride is so much an issue anymore. I think if it was ever there, it's certainly been checked over this past year. If you're in law enforcement, you know that that they've gone after numbers, they've gone after funding, they've they've gone after uh, gone after people based on medical decisions, and so now we find ourselves, you know, the numbers dwindling in, in those of you in law enforcement. We find that uh, morale is probably in the tanks right now. Um, and it, it, hopefully you work for a department that is cognizant of that and, and you know, is, is trying to provide, but at the same time, it's not necessarily their responsibility as, as the employer to provide for that. In fact, I would argue that it's, it's upon us and it's upon a, a faith foundation, okay? Because if you're relying on your department to get you through hard times, they're gonna fail because they're run by people. They're run by humanity. And that would that would be the same for, for any workplace that you may have. If you're not in law enforcement, if you're in if you're in fire, okay, if you're in medical, in the medical field, if you are um, in none of those things, if you're not in public service, maybe you're a construction worker or or uh, you know, you drive a, a garbage truck. I don't care. Every job I think is is admirable to an extent, right? <laughs> uh, we shouldn't get make a living doing everything or anything, but you know what I'm saying. And so, uh, even if you're in those places, if you're pretty, putting your employment or your employer as the thing that you get your identity from, or the thing that you think is is supposed to help you through hard times such as these, uh, you're wrong. Uh, just to put it bluntly, you're wrong. And I have no problem being blunt if you know me at all. Um, the only thing that, that can get you through on a consistent basis is a faith in that which is eternal, a faith in that which is immovable. Um, you know, those of us who are believers, those of us who uh, have a faith in Christ, a faith in God, we know that His Word here, it tells us the beginning from the end. In fact, it's been said that a third, anywhere from a quarter to a third of this book is prophetic. And that cannot be said for any other book. At least any other book that has proven itself accurate. 
Now I could write a book and make a, a third book prophetic, but that doesn't mean that the prophecies are going to come true. You know, this is the only book that can that can boast such accuracy of prophecy. Okay, and if you don't, if you doubt that, or if you question that, or if you're curious about that, dig into this thing. Especially get into Daniel. Look at how accurate his his prophecies were. Uh, compared to history. Get into Isaiah, and you'll see how accurate his were. Get into Ezekiel, or Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an easy one, because you can see that a huge portion of Jeremiah is warning the, uh, the people of Judah. And that all came to pass with very startling accuracy. And so, you can get into this book, there's, there's prophecy about Christ that proves who he is. So, this, this book right here is where you should get your hope. It's where you should get your foundation. And in order to get you through troubling times, this right here is, is where you should, should find the courage and the strength and even the encouragement and the motivation to keep going. Nowhere else are you going to find such uh, solid teaching, such solid word, solid history. Anyway, I'm off on a tangent here, and that's not really where I wanted to go. But let's start with this, okay? I was laying in bed the other day, and of course, instead of sleeping, my mind is going crazy. Uh, my mind's already crazy, right? But I'm, I'm thinking, and it's keeping me awake. This happens a lot. I'm sure it happens to you too. But I realized something, and uh, I hadn't realized this before. For some reason, this may be something that a pastor or somebody else probably realized a long time ago. Okay, But for some reason, this hit me recently. And that's this. In the six days of creation, we see, and then God said, and then God said, and then God said. God said, let there be light. And then God said, and then God said, and then God said. And so everything was, was formed by the Word of God, which is really cool. But here's something I think is very, very cool, right? Even cooler, okay? So, apparently, and I don't know this myself from my own studies, but I've heard this from smarter people, that the Hebrew way of writing is a lot different than Western culture in this way. A lot of times in Hebrew writings, they will give sort of a general overview. And we can see that in Genesis chapter 1, the six days of creation. And then they'll go from there, and they'll really kind of get a more of a laser focus on something in particular from that previous section that they want the focus to be about. And we see that in Genesis chapter 2 here. In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to learn about Adam and Eve. So in Genesis 1... On the sixth day, God said, let us create man in our image, and they created him male and female. Okay? Genesis chapter 2. We're going to get a lot more specific here. <clears throat> Verse 5. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. 
Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. No other creature in the entire Bible was formed by the hands of God out of the dust. Some people, some people would say, okay, this, this can be translated into clay, right? Or they'll say it's clay. Regardless, God, in his own image, sculpted Adam. And he probably made da Vinci, you know, look like child's play, okay? He sculpted Adam out of clay. And then unlike everything else, he breathed life into him. Now I'm told the same word for breath is where we get spirit. Okay, so God breathed spirit into man. And that's why we have such value, such intrinsic value is because God took the time to use his hands and then he breathed his own spirit into us. And it wasn't in, until man sinned that we started down this steep decline. But God's going to bring us back to that place of oneness with him at some point, right? Now, if you think about that for a second, you realize that, oh man, the other night, so I, I went outside and I, I try not to let these things affect me too much, right? Because I'm a man. I don't need this stuff. But I look up and I see the most incredible sunset that I have seen all year long. I mean, the sky was on fire and it was like God put a design in the sky to say, look at my beauty. This is how much I love you. And then I read this scripture saying that God not only created me, but he created me and you unlike any other part of his creation. The stars in the sky, the planets, the the trees, the streams, all of it created by God, but none of it with the, the care and the time and the, the love as was, was displayed in the creation of mankind. None of, none of the other things, none of the other creation can boast such a thing. Only mankind. And that's amazing to me. Now Paul's letter to the Ephesians kind of further describes this. But, but Paul seems to go into a little more depth here, okay? And, and Paul speaks of Christ as well. Now we know that when we talk about Genesis chapter 2, Christ was present, right? John, in his uh, epistle there, he, he, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's talking about Christ. And it said, through him all things were created, and nothing was, that was created was created without him. Okay, so we know that in Genesis, 
all things that were created were created through Christ. Okay? And so Paul talks about the, about Christ, and he talks about you and me here too. Okay, so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse starting at verse 5 here, and we're going to go through verse 10. Correction, we're going to start in verse 4. Then it just makes more sense. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by his grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love that Paul added that little portion in there. We are God's handiwork. Now again, I didn't do the research myself, but I've heard that the word handiwork there is from the Greek, I believe it was Greek, poema, where we get our word poem or poetry. So God took so much time and care in creating us. We are his handiwork. We are his poem, right? Each and every one of us. And not only that, but he talks, talks about, he mentions the gospel there about Christ and, and God loving us and caring for us so much that he gave Christ. And it was this expression of grace. See, each and every one of us is so incredibly valuable to God that he would send his only son to die in our place to pay a penalty that, that I accrued myself. And so, the reason I bring this up and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because if you're struggling to get through these times, if you're struggling with your work, if, if you're not getting the support that you think that you need, uh, your support comes from above. And God cares so much about you that He cares about you individually. See, I've noticed that in my personal ministry, okay, uh, I have... I found that God intends to reach the individual heart. That's why there's only one Billy Graham. But there are so many of us out there that can impact our neighbor, that can impact our coworker. We're not made to all be Billy Grahams because God is, God is interested in the individual. And so he uses you and he uses me to reach the individual across the room from us at work, the individual that we ride with every morning, right? The individual at the at the coffee shop. So, I, I think I think that'll do it for this week. Um, there's a lot more to unpack to unpack in that that uh, passage from Ephesians, but I'd like to keep this somewhat short and just offer you offer you some encouragement. I think uh, next week we'll talk about what it means to believe, 
truly, truly believe. So hopefully you can kind of prepare yourself for that one. And uh, in the meantime, be thinking about what, what do I actually believe? Do I believe what that word says? Or, or do I believe something different? Do I, do I think that the words of the Bible are true? Or do I think that there was, that Noah's flood is a child story? Do I think that uh, Jesus didn't really die? That it was all some kind of trick? So be thinking about that kind of stuff because that's absolutely imperative to, uh, well, to the ultimate destination of your spirit. So.